Hey mama, are you terrified of labor? Are you wanting to get healthy for you and for your baby or your family? Maybe you're struggling to feel sexy postpartum. If that's you, then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Fit Mama podcast, where I'm spilling all of the pregnancy and postpartum secrets you need to know. I'm Sarah, your fitness bestie. I'm a certified prenatal and postnatal fitness specialist, certified Pilates instructor, and certified yoga teacher. I'm also a certified hot mess mama of a two-year-old boy, and I'm currently pregnant with identical twin girls. So reheat your coffee, settle in, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Fit Mama podcast. I am here with our very first guest, Lexi Smith. Lexi, apart from being a dear friend of mine, is what I would call somewhat of an expert in what we're going to talk about today, which is grace versus grit, knowing when to push yourself and when to ease up and relax a little bit. So Lexi, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Hi, Um, thank you for having me. This is really exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I'm Lexi. I, uh, Sarah and I met, um, what, 12? 13 years ago? It's been a long time. (laughs) Um, And um, let's see, my journey. um, I started running when I, oh gosh, in 2016. So that was when I was 23, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And it really, I had not run in high school. I had not run in college. It was kind of just a random idea that popped me upside the face. And I was like, I'm going to run a half marathon. Um, And I signed up for the Walt Disney World Wine and Dine Half Marathon. I used the Jeff Galloway plan that was posted on the Run Disney website. Uh, Jeff Galloway is an Olympian and he's the official trainer of Run Disney. And so he posts training plans for all of the different distances. And I did my first half marathon and thought that was it. And then my roommate slash best friend was like, do a Disney marathon with me. And so we did another half marathon and the rest is history. I've been doing run Disney races for for the past six years and always said I would never do a marathon. And that has changed. Now I've done five. (laughs) Yeah, never say never. I feel like every runner starts out thinking that they're going to be totally casual about it, and then they get hooked after that first race. And I know you now run lots of different races, but the Disney races continue to kind of have your heart, right? Like, you're part of a podcast that talks specifically about Disney races. Is that correct? Yes. So I am one of the hosts of the Rise and Run podcast. And we talk primarily about run Disney races, but uh, we use the tagline running and beyond. So because we do Disney, we do non-Disney, the training, physical therapists, you know, nutritionists. We have we have a little bit of everything. And um, we really gear our podcast to newer, middle or back of the pack runners. That's awesome. I've listened to y'all's podcast. I do really, really enjoy it. 
Um, as a middle of the pack runner myself, I think it's really nice to have that. But um, I want to go back to how you said that some things changed for you. You were never going to run a marathon and then you ran five. And there's one race in particular that I really want to hear you talk about, which is your Berlin race. What year was that? What led up to it? Walk us through that experience. So that was the Berlin Marathon 2021. So a year and a couple months ago. And um, it really started with COVID, to be honest. Uh, I was stuck at home, not wanting to be at home. And so I planned travel. (laughs) And um, my roommate, um, my roommate, Jack, uh, I, her, her name is Jacqueline. I call her Jack. Um, she and I just sat on the couch and dreamed for many days. And then we decided that we were going to start a YouTube channel. And it's called Passport to Run because we're running around the world. So we decided to run the six majors, London, Berlin, Tokyo, Chicago, New York, and Boston. And because COVID canceled most of the race, well, all of the races around the world for a while, we were able to get in the the first race comeback under a special deal with uh, one of the clubs that we found. And we were able to get a registration, which we didn't think we would. Yeah, it's hard to get into that race, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the world majors are really probably some of the di- most difficult races to get into just because they have so many runners that try. I think it's like a one in three, one in five chance of actually getting in, in the race. Um, some races are harder to get in than others. For U.S. runners, I know the international ones are easier to get into because you can go through a tour company and you don't have to try for it yourself. Gotcha. So you and your roommate, instead of learning how to make sourdough and banana bread like the rest of us, decided to use COVID instead to run a marathon across the world. Yeah. Yeah. So we signed up for it in, oh, what would that have been? August of 2020 to run the next September of 21. Okay, so you had a full year to prep for this race. Yes. Um, And ultimately, let me rewind a little bit. So all of my half marathons, I said I never was going to run a marathon ever. That was was never going to do it. And then in January of 2020, I cheered for Jack running the Walt Disney World Marathon. And that got me to thinking. (laughs) I was like, you know what? I might want to do this. You got FOMO. Yeah, for real. Um, and I'll talk about cheering at a Disney race in a little while. But um, I almost like cheering at a Disney race more than I like running at a Disney race. Okay. But um, So I watched her do it. And I was just like, you know what? I've done, I think at that point, I'd done 11 half marathons. It's like, I can, I can do this. Um, and then I was supposed to run the Walt Disney World Marathon 21. That was canceled. 
pushed it back to, I think I was going to do the Austin Marathon. That was canceled. Um, and there was one more that I had as like my backup, backup, backup. And that was canceled as well. Before awesome. I actually got into the process of doing Berlin. Okay, so you had signed up, was that for three different marathons and they all got canceled? Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you find out that you are in the Berlin Marathon. So did you find out that you were in in August or did you just apply in August? I did not find out that I was in for Berlin until March or April of 2021 to run in September. So did you start training in August thinking that there was a slight possibility that you would get in? Or did you wait until you received like the final word that you were in the marathon? I I started training in August for the Walt Disney World Marathon. And so I was already trained up when I decided to enter Berlin and then ultimately got in Berlin. So instead of starting training in March of 21 for a September race to give six months of training, I had already basically been training for almost a year by that point when I found out that I got in and, you know, uh, ramping up my miles and then, oh, the race isn't going to happen. So going down in miles and then ramping up again and then, oh, nope, that one's not going to happen either. (laughs) So I was trained up. Fast forward a little bit to August of 21. Uh, I started having a plantar fasciitis flare up. One month before race day. Yes. Yes. So I had a running coach and um, I was talking to her. I had made it up to a 17 mile run and we were a month out. I was supposed to do one more 20 mile run before the actual race. And... We decided not to do another long run until the actual race that I was in Berlin. And that honestly, it kind of messed with my head a little bit because I'd only done 17 and I was supposed to do 26. But I also knew from plantar fasciitis before, because I've had chronic plantar fasciitis on and off, I had to rest or I wouldn't have even been able to start Berlin. Right. I was just about to say for anyone who is not familiar with running, a full marathon is 26.2 miles, so a really long way to be running. And I don't know about you, but anytime I run a race, if I'm unable to complete my training plan exactly the way it's written, I kind of get afraid that somehow I'm going to fail. So I wonder how you dealt with that, that balance of knowing that you needed to rest and give yourself grace, but also wanting to finish out your training the way it had been planned. Well, I knew I had done the 17 and felt good, like energy-wise felt good. I knew my fueling was on point. I knew that I was prepared for the actual race. Um I I feel like you know, physically I felt good. It was just that mental aspect that, like, there was the little voice that was in my head, like, are you sure you can actually do this? Right. Um, but, you know, I, I knew I was at least going to try because I, I knew that my plantar fasciitis flare-up, especially getting to be, like, a week, two weeks before the race, it was getting better, and I knew I was going to be okay. 
Okay, we love the confidence. So take us to race day. Walk us through what that was like to run the Berlin Marathon. Gosh, it was amazing. Okay. <laughs> it was so fun. Um, a little scary, like being in another country, because it was my first time in Europe as well. Oh. Yeah. So Jack and I went uh, three days before race day. And since we went with a tour company, with a running tour company, they had a couple of little activities and sightseeing things. And we went to the expo and got our bib. And um, in case you don't know anyone listening, an expo is basically a place where a bunch of running vendors go for all of the runners coming to pick up their race bibs and the tracking information and sometimes t-shirts. And they have shoes you can buy, which don't buy new shoes on race day, but that's another, that's a whole (laughs) nother topic. Um, But shirts and anything, uh, gels or fuel or anything you possibly need, you can buy it in the expo. And so we went there and it was in this huge like convention hall type place. Um, And yeah, so we get to race day. I believe we started at my start time was at 1030 in the morning, which if you know anything about running races, usually they're a little bit early than that. But fall in Berlin. So the weather was supposed to be perfect. Um, foreshadowing, it was not perfect. There was a lot of emphasis on that supposed to be. It gave me anxiety just hearing it. Yeah. So we wake up on race morning and the high is supposed to be like 83. No. And normally in Berlin in September, the high is like 63. Great. So did you bring clothing and other things that were appropriate for hotter weather? Yeah, usually on a big race weekend, I'll take both. I'll take warm weather stuff and cold weather stuff just because I don't want to be caught without it. Um, you know, you never know, especially with the weather channel these days. Sometimes you wake up and they say it's going to be hot and it's cold or vice versa. Right. Yeah, so on that race, I was wearing as little clothing as I could comfortably get away with. You went Miami style. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, and, uh, Jack was two corrals ahead of me, I think. And so we didn't start the race together. Can you explain what a corral is for someone who's new to running? Yes. So when you have a big race, I believe the Berlin Marathon that I ran had 21,000 runners. Wow. Yeah. Logistically, you can't start everyone at once. And so they divide the runners up, usually by what pace you think you're going to be by your finish time. And they release them every five or 10 minutes. They'll release like 100 or 200 runners so that it's not clogged on the course. And um, especially when you think of uh, having the water stops along the course so they don't get bombarded with, you know, constant number of people, it kind of spreads everybody out. So I was in the last corral because of my start, the, my anticipated finish time. And Jack was, I believe two ahead of me. Okay. She's real fast. (laughs) So you are running by yourself in a foreign country. 
And your training partner is far ahead of you. Yes. Okay, so you're all prepped and ready alone, but ready. And you get the signal that the race starts. And then what happens? Um, it was great. It was so much fun. Um, when you have that many people who love running, which a running community is something else entirely, but everybody is super upbeat and excited. And um, there's a there's a whole lot of adrenaline when you have that many runners. And um, since it is one of the world marathon majors, there was it wasn't just people speaking in German all around you, and you can't understand. Um, there was literally people from every country that you could think of, every language. Um, but the coolest thing was the spectators on the side, like the sidelines would shout in German, obviously, because we were in Germany, but all of our bibs had our names on them. So oh. you would hear Lexi, blah, 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 whatever it is in German. And you like, you could tell that they were cheering for you, but you had no idea what they were saying. Just straight encouragement. Like that alone was enough. It was amazing. It was so cool. So um, since I did start later in the morning, it probably took me until like one o'clock before I really started feeling the heat. And I was good through the half marathon. I was having fun. Um, I was filming it on my GoPro and I dropped my GoPro at mile nine and it cracked and I was devastated. No. Yeah. I'm assuming that was for the YouTube channel. Yes. Is there any footage at all of this race on YouTube for people to see? Yes. Um, Jack and I did a combined video. So you get her perspective and my perspective, which is kind of cool with the way we did it because we switched back and forth between it. And like she would say, oh, I wonder how Lexi's doing. And then I'd be like, oh, let's see how Jack's doing. And so we would switch back and forth. Um, and I think I said this in the video. I was like, my screen is cracked, but this is a really big race and I don't want to not have footage. So I'm sorry, viewers, you're just going to have to deal with it. You know, you just do it messy and that's okay. Yeah. So um, anyway, I get to the half marathon mark and still feeling good. And then, oh, a mile, probably 15, I hit my first wall. Okay. Explain for the non-runners, what is the wall, the dreaded wall? Yeah, the part of the race where you just feel like you can't do it anymore, you don't want to do it anymore. It's it's like your fight or flight response where your brain is just saying, ah, nope, I'm done. No more. Yeah, we switch over from the fight to the flight. Like, someone take me home, I am done. Yes, mm -hmm. no more steps, I'm done. And um, so I pushed through that wall and I was like, from 15 to 16, that was pretty much like, it just really, really was not a good experience. <laughs> so I think that's actually our first grace versus grit moment. So for you, how do you make that grit decision and push through the wall? You know, whenever you, whenever you go through big events, sometimes, you know, your brain gets hazy when you look back and remember it, but you have like key moments that you remember exactly what happened. I remember around that point, I was going up a hill, which the Berlin Marathon is fairly flat. It's the, I believe it's the flattest world marathon major. So there's not a lot of elevation, but there was, 
you know, driving around in any place, sometimes you encounter a hill. And there was a guy on a bicycle who spoke broken English to me, but he went slow enough that he was riding alongside me for, I don't know, 15 seconds. And he was like, go, go, go. You got this. And then he's like, Lexi, you can do it. And he just rode with me a little while. And then he turned around and talked to the runner behind me and rode with them for a little while. And he was like, just going oh. the hill on his little bicycle, cheering people on. And that was one of the, the key factors. I was like, okay, I got this. You needed that cheerleader on the hill to push you past that wall, right? Like just to get past that literal and figurative hill. Yes. So I felt good. I was getting, I was good. Until I hit mile 20. So we've already passed your longest training run. Yes. Just to remind everybody, your longest run before this point had only been 17 miles. So now you're 20 miles in and what happens? Um, well, with some races, not all of them, some races you have a time limit that you have to maintain. Primarily because they have to open the roads up sometime. They can only keep, you know, policemen and support staff and everything so long on some of these races and, you know, city permits and whatever. So with the Berlin Marathon, I was supposed to maintain a six hour and 30 minute uh, race. And I knew all of my training, I would have been right on that mark in perfect conditions. And as I mentioned earlier, it was not perfect conditions because I was worried about my plantar fasciitis and the heat. Right. So I hit mile 20 and I see the sweep bus behind me. Okay. So what is a sweep bus? Um, it's not scary at all, but for runners who feel like they can't complete or um, they get injured or um the the race cuts off like with the time limit they're like sorry you you aren't maintaining the speed we have to open the roads up they have a bus to take you to the finish line okay so there is a bus coming behind you that may or may not pick you up right okay and that in itself is like a mental like what why why would you have a big bus with motorcyclists flashing their lights on on a big race like this and i was like this sucks this is horrible and so um i and another thing that kind of went into the middle side of it um i i didn't see very many runners around me it was pretty much like me and like three other people that's hard that's a long time to be running basically by yourself i mean at this point in the race how many hours would you estimate you had been going at 20, we're probably five hours, five and a half hours into the race. Yeah. My foot was starting to hurt too. And I just started crying. And I was just like, not okay. <laughs> yeah, of um, course. And so I, I was crying so hard. I called my mama and I was, I was crying so hard. She's like, are you hurt? I'm like, <laughs> No, I just, I'm just don't want to do it anymore. And and she was like, okay, call Julie. Julie was my running coach. 
Good advice coming from mama. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. And I was just sobbing. And so I called Julie and she knew I was running. Of course. Um, she knew I was in the middle of the race. And so she answered and she was like, I remember her saying, Lexi, I can't understand you. And I was okay. like, okay, I have to stop crying now. <laughs> but I was at the point I told her, I said, I feel like I'm the last one. And the sweet bus is here. And I I come this far. I don't want it to end yet. Okay, so here we have another grace versus grit moment. But it's even more intense because this time your option to get out is literally staring you in the face. Like if you wanted out, all you had to do was just wait for that bus to pick you up. So what was your thought process? What did you decide? Um, well, I, I knew that I wanted to finish. This was my first marathon. And I knew, like, when you look at it, yes, I'd done 20 miles, but I only had six miles to go. I can run six miles. I can do that. And so, and I put so much time into it. I was looking for it so much. I was like, I came all the way to Germany. I'm not pulling myself out of this race. And so the people on motorcycles they just told us to move to the sidewalk they didn't they didn't say we had to get on the bus but they told us to move off of the road and onto the sidewalk and so i did and um i was also worried that because i was on the sidewalk and not in the marked path that i was going to get lost in a country that i didn't know that was also terrifying and julie was like first of all i need you to take some deep breaths i was like Oh, yeah. Breathing's good. I should do that. <laughs> That's what we coaches are here for. Like, sometimes we just need to remind you of the obvious. Right. Like, you already know that breathing's important, but let me just remind you. Breathe. Yeah. And she said, okay, I want you to walk for the next 15 minutes. Just walk. Don't try to run. Just, you know, focus on breathing. Focus on your mindset. And just walk. I was like, okay, I can do that. I can keep walking for 15 minutes. And so I kept going. And about probably nine minutes into that 15 minutes, I started feeling better. And I was like, I'd stop crying. I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. And really talked myself off the ledge and just worked on, you know, like, there's only this much time. You know, you can do it one foot in front of the other. That was my mantra the whole time, one foot in front of the other. Because um, I knew if I stopped, then I wasn't, I was stopped. Yeah. So keep moving. And so I did. I kept moving. Um, I didn't get lost. And I remember hitting mile like 24. And all the streets started looking the same. And I was like, surely the finish line is right around this corner. Because they had taken the mile marker signs down. Oh, so you have no idea at this point how far you've gone. Mm -mm. Wow. I, mean, I, have my, I have my tracker on my phone. So I knew roundabout. But for anyone who's run a race before, the, the trackers on the phone are not always completely accurate. So it said that I had done like 25 and a half miles. When I was actually only at like 24. Oh, there's nothing more infuriating than when you think you're about to finish and then it turns out that your phone hasn't been tracking right. 
Yeah. And also when you're running a race, especially if there's a bunch of people, you're like bobbing and weaving in between people. And that adds distance to your tracker that if you were just on the course by yourself, you it, it would be whatever Great mile point. they're at. Anyway, and the whole time Jack's phone had died. And so she was I was trying to get in contact with her to meet me at the finish through some one of our other friends that we met phone that we met through the tour company. And finally, I round the last corner and I see the Brandenburg Gate in front of me. Um, and also as I near the Brandenburg Gate, there were more and more and more spectators that came around. Um, because it was just sidewalks. It wasn't actually road anymore. And if you know anything about the Berlin Marathon, you go from from the time you run the corner until the finish line, you go through the Brandenburg Gate. And after you go through the Brandenburg Gate, there's maybe like a football field before you get to the finish line. That's how the the landmark that you that you finish at. And that I started feeling okay. And all the spectators were there and they were cheering. And then I hear Jack's voice and she's like, go, she's freaking out. Right on time. Yeah. And so I'm going and I'm going and then find it's probably. Probably a half mile from the time I turn the corner till I get towards the Brandenburg Gate. And as I get closer to the Brandenburg Gate. I notice the bus is there. The sweet bus. And I go up, and the closer I get, I start seeing a metal gate across the race course. Wait, no. Yes. So I go up to the guy just standing there, and he's like, The finish line is closed. You can get on the bus, and it will take you to the reunion area at the end. Even though you've basically run the entire marathon at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, and I was like, but he's like, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's closed. Um, and I remember saying to him, I was like, but I've done all the miles. And um, I lost it. Jack, thankfully, was standing over on the sidelines and I didn't want to get on the bus. I was like, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Like, no way I'm getting on that bus. I ran over to Jack. And I collapsed in her arms, just sobbing because like I had reached the point, like I could see the finish line and I couldn't get to it. And um, she was like, it's okay. You know, you've done it. You did a marathon. You're amazing. I'm so proud of you. And then over to the side, the spectator goes, you can still get your medal. You can still finish. And I was like, what? Because I thought like I wasn't gonna, I'd run, I'd run all these miles, and I wasn't gonna get anything to show for it. And Jack pick, literally like picked me up, like picked up my shoulders off of crying on her, and she's like, "Come on, we're gonna go get your medal." And she said, "We are gonna, we are gonna run through the Brandenburg Gate, and on the sidewalk." And so she took off, and she's just dragging me along. She's like, "Come on, Lexi, you're almost done with this thing." And so we take off and all, she's like getting all the spectators to cheer for me and she's going to finish. And so I run through the Brandenburg Gate 
we get over to where like adjacent to the finish area that was blocked off and through asking people and talking to other people we realize we're on the wrong side of the finish chute so like the finish chute is about the size of um at least a three lane three lanes on, or two lanes on both sides probably with a median in the middle about that length and we realized that the metals are on the opposite side from where we were and we would have had to go all the way back the way we came through the brandenburg gate to get to the bus to go to the other side and i was like i can't do this anymore i can't keep running so we we asked i was still crying at this point Jack asked the security guard that was like at the gate to cross through, asked him if we could, if he could just escort us to the other side because we needed to be on the other side. And I couldn't speak. I was crying so hard. He just, but I remember, I remember him looking at us and being like, like, I guess seeing the exhaustion in my face. <laughs> and he's like, come on. And so he escorted us across the chute to the other side. And I, I do remember looking over and like seeing the finish line. Um, and then we went over to the area where they were handing out the medals and I showed them my run keeper. And I said, I've done 27 miles according to this. And they handed me my medal. Wow. What a insane story. There's a lot of things in there that stuck out to me. One was like how many highs and lows you experienced during this race, but also the importance of community for you while you were running. Like a lot of those grace versus grit decisions came down to having people there supporting you when you really, really needed it. Do you find that to be true? Like looking back, would you say that's pretty accurate? Absolutely. And I feel like in the beginning part of my running journey, really before covid it was a solo mission like jack and i would go to the race weekends together but we would never run the race together and so my 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 race would be my own and it was just me and i didn't really have people to talk to it was just like we're going and it was great it was fun but through covid and meeting this running community that I really didn't even knew existed. And um, if you listen to our podcast at all, all of us Rise and Run gang met through a Zoom chat on COVID. And every two weeks, just a bunch of us would just get together and talk about running because we knew our families were tired of hearing about running. So we talked to each other. And then one of the guys was like well we like talking to each other maybe people will like listening to us and then the podcast was born oh that's amazing i didn't even know the origin story of the podcast but i love that and i also want to underline here like for people who are new on their fitness journeys a community can really help you to get started and keep pushing especially when you're hitting those walls be those mental or physical or whatever so I take it that you didn't swear off of running after Berlin. What has life looked like for you since then? Yeah, so in retrospect, I probably should have taken a break, but I didn't. <laughs> because then 
you know, 2022 rolled around and everything was coming back and all the run Disney races came back. And so I, I was like, I will have to go run the half marathon at Disney for the first race back in, in Disney world. So after Berlin, I ran, that was in September in January of 22, I ran the half marathon at Disney in April of 22. I did the springtime surprise. That was a 5K, a 10K, and a 10-miler. And then around that time, I found out that I was doing the New York City Marathon in 2022. Um, So I got an entry into that. Lucky girl. Yeah. And and so I was like, well, it's April. I should probably start training for my next marathon because I can't really take any time off. And um, in between that, I did a marathon. Oh, gosh. I did a marathon of of my training cycle in Ohio. Okay. And then I did a virtual marathon as part of my training cycle again. And then I did New York. Um, but from Berlin until I finished New York, I almost felt like I was a fake because I hadn't finished a marathon, even though I did 27 miles, which is more than a marathon. Um, You know, just having that completionist mindset of like, oh, well, maybe, you know, it it was almost imposter syndrome. of like, I don't know if I belong in this marathoner category. For anyone who hasn't picked up on it yet, Lexi is a bit of a perfectionist. Just a little bit. But I can understand that. Like, you feel like you have something to prove to yourself and maybe even to others. Exactly. Yeah. And so I finished New York, um, cried a lot. Watch, just watch the New York City Marathon video on Passport to Run because that just sums up everything that New York was and the amount of relief and also just um, accomplishment that I felt at the end of that definitely my favorite race that I've ever done and probably one of like the highlights of my life was was that finish line experience that's amazing and it's so cool to hear that after the Berlin marathon and that traumatic experience you kept pushing you kept running and then had one of the best experiences of your life like just a year later exactly yeah and you know I hit times, especially just in the end of 2022, where even in my training cycle, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm tired. This sucks. I'm not getting faster. I'm not, you know, just all of the thing, the negative mindset that your brain tells you and you just get in a rut. But I also knew I had race goals and races that I paid money and signed up for that I wanted to complete. Yeah. And something that I really admire about you and we've talked about in the past is that you have really adopted the identity of being a runner. And so a runner is going to do their training, whether they feel like it or not. Right. And I think that makes that decision to keep pushing yourself a lot easier because you've already identified yourself as someone who does push themselves. Exactly. Yeah. And um, one of the things I haven't mentioned, I do the run walk method that Jeff Galloway came up with. So 
of my all of my races, I do intervals where I right now I'm on a cycle where I do 10 seconds of running and 30 seconds of walking. Okay. And I do that the whole race. That's amazing. That's like a pre-programmed grace and grit cycle. Exactly. And um, if you don't know about the run walk method, it basically you can run faster during the run segments because you give yourself that little bit of recovery time of walking. I see. And in my times have been faster doing run walk than running straight through. And I have tested that. It's important to know what works for your body and what is going to be best for you and your specific training needs. I know that you've worked with coaches and nutritionists also along the way. So it's great that you found what works for you. And honestly, it's kind of invaluable to have somebody with you who's going to help guide you and you're not starting at the square one every time. But fast forwarding to more recent races, I know that you just completed a big Disney race weekend. Is that right? Yeah. So I did the Walt Disney World Marathon weekend three weeks ago now. And um, it is the only full marathon that they do on Disney property. And it is a the whole gambit. It, I was going to do the Dopey Challenge, which was a 5K, a 10K a half marathon and a full marathon on four consecutive days, which <laughs> I know longest weekend of your life. Yeah. Um, so it's over the four days. It's 48.6 miles. That's a long distance to be running girl. Mm-hmm. But you're in Disney world and there's magic and pixie dust and happiness. That is a pro. Like if you're going to be running for that long, at least make it a fun experience. Exactly. And one of the really amazing things that really set this weekend apart was the Rise and Run podcast community of our listeners. And we had a meetup where we got to meet a bunch of our listeners. I think like 60 or 70 people showed up. That's amazing. And it was so cool to do. I did the 5K with a couple of them where we walked all together and um, we completed the race together. And it was just, Overall, the whole weekend was everything I could have hoped for. That's awesome. But also, I don't know if you picked up on it, any of your listeners, but I say uh, attempted the Dopey Challenge, not completed the Dopey Challenge. Okay, so what happened there? Um, so I did the 5K, felt great. Did the 10K, stayed right on what pace I was going to. And then I get to the half marathon, and it was a struggle from the beginning. Mm. Um, just, I, I didn't feel my best. Um, I got three miles in, and I was like, I don't want to record this for the YouTube channel anymore. I'm, I'm just grumpy, and I don't want to put it on video. Um, and so I get to the halfway mark where we're running through Magic Kingdom, through the castle, which is amazing. Um, my boyfriend's there. I hand him my GoPro, and I'm like, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> um, and then, lo and behold, at about the seven-and-a-half-mile mark, I meet up with the other co-hosts of the podcast. Oh, okay. Not planned. I mean, we were tracking each other, but I, we had not planned on running together. 
and I had hit my limit. I was like, I'm going to go until they sweep me, you know, whatever. Like, I'm tired. I don't feel good. I'm a little nauseous. Like, this is just not fun right now. But I met up with those guys, and one of them came alongside. He was like, Lexi, I'm not going to let you. I'm not going to let you pull yourself out of this race. Um, He said, we only have, at that point, we had four and a half miles to go. And he was like, you're going to finish this thing, and I'm going to stay with you while you do it. And I was like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we did a running technique called gwinning, which it's a way of maximum recovery. So we did 30 seconds running, two minutes of walking. Um, Again, with the anticipation that the next day we had a marathon to do. So recover as best as you can with as minimum effort as you can so that you can reach that goal of the marathon on the following day. And that worked. It, you know, he, every walk cycle, he was like, come on, Lexi, we're going to do it. And a couple of times I was like, I want to keep running longer than 30 seconds. Let's just, let's go till the bottom of the hill. Cause who wants to run up hills, right? Right. (laughs) Um, and I, I really say I got through that, that half marathon because of Greg, I couldn't, I couldn't have done it without him. Um, and we crossed the finish line. And it was, I mean, that that was a tough race because I didn't want to do it. But I finished it and I got my medal. And then I went back to the hotel room and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> but I was worried about my pace. Because I knew um, that the instead of a bus, sweeper bus at, Disney, they have what they call the balloon ladies, and they are the last people to cross the start line. They have little balloons tied onto their belts, and they are maintaining the minimum pace that you can have. So if the balloons go past you, then eventually a bus does come and takes you to the finish line. Um, but it's not like it's not near as intimidating as having like flashing lights and motorcycles and like. <laughs> Balloons are more fun than motorcyclists yelling at you in German. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and they're super sweet ladies. We interviewed them on the podcast. They're super sweet. Um, but then, um, you know, I, w- I was just worried because I knew they were about three minutes behind us for mm-hmm. the 10, 11, 10 mile, 11 mile, 12 mile. And when we crossed the finish line, they were about three minutes behind us the whole time. And when you think about it, if you're maintaining a 17-mile pace and someone who's three minutes behind you is maintaining a 16-mile pace, statistically, I mean, yeah, they're going to get closer, but they're not going to pass you in right. four miles. Um, but I knew with 26 miles, I, you know, I was just like, I don't know if I can, if I'm trained in a way at a pace that will keep past them, especially given how I'm feeling on this day, on this half marathon day. Right. But again, podcast community came around and they were like, Lexi, you're going to finish this. You're going to do it. It's going to be amazing. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it. It's going to be amazing. 
And then I had another amazing friend that was like, he he's so fast. He's like 10 minute miles. Um, he said, okay, when are we starting the marathon? I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm going to do it with you the whole time. Wow. And I was just like, Dean, you are an amazing human. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was like, we're going to get you to that finish line. I was like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do it. Um, so I wake up race morning. I get to my corral and I started feeling nauseous. And I was like, this isn't good. Maybe it's butterflies. The race started still nauseous, but I kept the minimum pace. Um, and then I just started not feeling good. And I was like, hmm, something's not right here. Um, but I, I was I was trying and Dean was encouraging me and like, you know, we got that we were keeping up conversation. And then I hit around a three mile mark. And I pulled off to the bathroom, got sick in the bathroom and then started my hand started shaking. And I was like. I am not I'm not going to put my body through trying to push anymore. Something is not right. My body is telling me today's not the day. So I'm going to listen. And mm -hmm. um, I walked a little bit further, um, got to the 5K. So instead of three miles, 3.1. And um, they had some buses parked on the, like at the curb. And the balloon ladies passed me. And the there was some really nice bikers. Like if the balloon ladies pass you, at the time you're passing the bus, then, you know, you have to be in front of them or you need to get on the bus. And I was like, I told Dean, I said, you going ahead. I'm out. My body's saying no. So I'm going to listen. And um, I stood outside the bus still feeling really nauseous. And the medical people were like, are you OK? I'm like, yes, I'm just breathing fresh air. <laughs> so that's what I need. Right. Right. Like, I don't want that hot bus air. Right. Yeah. And um, it took another hour and a half, probably, before I stopped feeling nauseous. Okay. Um, and I knew, like, I couldn't, I couldn't take my fuel. I usually fuel every 30 minutes. And I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, um, I wouldn't have been able to healthily finish that marathon. And, you know, I find that really interesting because now we have two different races where you are attempting a marathon and in one of those races, you know, you push through injury, you do end up completing the marathon. Whereas in this race, after three miles, your body was telling you no, and you decided to just dip out. And so I would love if you would tell the listeners how you were able to distinguish when you could push and when you needed to rest and give your body some grace, because I think that that balance can be really hard to find, especially when we have big goals and we've been working towards them for a long time. You know, I feel like it really boils down to if you can look at it objectively and see when I cross this finish line in however many miles it is to the finish line, Will I be able to continue with energy and, um, and, and, you know, healthily, or will I be on a stretcher? Like, obviously, you don't want to 
put yourself in a position where something medically could be wrong if you push yourself past. Mm-hmm. And it really comes it really comes down to practice. Um in your training runs or in practice races. There's a time where you hit this point of your brain is saying, I don't want to do this anymore. But your body is like, oh no, I, I still got this. Like it hurts a little bit, but it's it's finding that balance of this is a little niggle and this can I can push through this or this is continued and this is this pain is starting to get worse. Mm. And and figuring out what that is for your specific body. So really knowing well like what you are physically capable of and what limitations you have, maybe even questioning if it's mental or physical in nature is that kind of an accurate summary? Yeah. You know, you really have to look at it in perspective. Like for my Disney race that I just did not fin- did not finish just n- a couple weeks ago, Disney's still going to be there. The races are still going to be there. I know I will try again and I know I will finish. Yeah. It's just a matter of time. Um I also know from history I finished I've done 26.2 miles four times prior to this last race that I attempted. So I know I can do the distance. I've done it before. Yeah, you have that mental security and confidence of what you are actually capable of. Yeah. And if you if you haven't done the distance before, trust your training. Because if you're attempting a marathon, you're doing some sort of training. As you go along, like or you should be doing. Do training, please. You're not just going to go out tomorrow after you've been sitting on the couch and run a marathon. So in your training plan that you've been following, it is gearing you up for the race. Your body is being prepared for the race. And even if you're in the middle of your training cycle and you're like, oh my gosh, I can barely get through three miles today. How am I ever going to do 26.2 that's in four months? You are not at four months right now. You are at three. Or you are at one. Run Mm -hmm. the mile that you're in. And your training cycle will get you to the finish. Absolutely. This is what I tell my clients all the time. Like, trust the process and be present. If you're doing the right things, you will get to the goal eventually. But I do want to ask, do you have any advice for someone who is wanting to get into running? but is feeling a little intimidated maybe by the idea of running four to eight hours like tomorrow? Start small. That would be my advice. Um, Like I said, you don't have to start out tomorrow running 26 miles. If you're not a runner, if you don't run or you have never run before, start out with 30 seconds. You know, you can, you can play with whatever your body feels like you can do. Start out with 10 seconds. Start out with walking around your apartment complex or walking around the block. And then after you've done that three or four times, we'll try to do two laps around the block. You know, run, run the mile that you're in. And if you have a goal of some big race that's really important to you, just put in the work, consistency, and um, believe in yourself. <laughs> 
and um, find that community because especially now with social media, it's out there. You have one with this podcast. You have one with the Rise and Run podcast. Um, there's tons of Facebook groups out there. I'm pretty sure all the races that I've won have had their own Facebook page or group or whatever that you can go and talk to other runners. Um, so get connected and go out and do the darn thing. That is awesome advice. Thank you so much, Lexi. And I do want to give you a chance now just to plug all of your stuff, let people know where they can find you after listening to this podcast. Because trust me, you guys, I can tell you from personal experience, Lexi is someone that you want in your community. She is a cheerleader for the people in her life. Like she goes hard for the people in her community. And so she's definitely someone you want on your team. So Lexi, where can they find you? Yeah, so I am on Instagram um, at the YouTube channel is Passport to Run uh, with underscores in between each word. Um, and then the podcast is Rise and Run Pod. We are, the podcast is on all of the, anywhere podcasts are sold. Um, <laughs> Uh, all the streaming on, platforms right you can find us on all of the platforms and we also have a facebook group that uh you can find through instagram or you can you can search for us and find the links um there's the rise and run podcast website as well if you wanted to to look there but yeah come join us join our community and um It'll be fun. Maybe I'll see you at a Disney race. I hope so. I hope that anyone who listened to this podcast today and was even remotely interested in running goes and signs up for a Disney race. Um, I know that those races are definitely unique experiences and they look super fun. So thank you again for coming on the podcast, sharing your running experience and all of your wisdom in terms of knowing when to push and when to give yourself some grace. Um, it was really, really good to have you on. I will be sure to leave all of Lexi's information as well as my information in the show notes. That way we can keep this conversation going, even though unfortunately today's podcast has got to come to an end. So be sure to check us out again, Instagram, YouTube, streaming platforms, TikTok, like we're everywhere. Just check out those show notes and connect with us. Until the next podcast, Mama, be sure to enjoy your coffee, reheated or not, it still counts, and have an extra cup for me.